Welcome to The Well Podcast, where we post the audio messages for our Sunday sermons. For more information about us and how to get further connected, feel free to visit our website at thewellaustin.com. I'm going to be reading today's scripture. It comes from Ezra 8, if you want to join me. I'm going to be starting in verse 15, and I'm going to read through verse 23. So the word of God says this. I gathered them to the river that runs to Avea, and there we camped three days. As I reviewed the people and the priests, I found there none of the sons of Levi. Then I sent for Eliezer, Ariel, Shemaiah, Elnathan, Jerob, Elnathan, Nathan, Zechariah, and Meshulam, leading men, Behujoyarib and Elnathan, who were men of insight, and sent them to Ido, the leading man at the place of Casaphia, telling them what to say to Ido and his brothers and the temple servants at the place of Casaphia, namely, to send us ministers for the house of our God. And by the good hand of our God on us, they brought us a man of discretion, of the sons of Malai, son of Levi, son of Israel, namely Sherebiah, with his sons and kingsmen, 18, also Hashabiah, with him Josiah of the son of Merari, with his kingsmen and of their sons, 20, besides 220 of the temple servants, whom David and his officials had sent apart to attend the Levites. And these were all mentioned by name. Then I proclaimed a fast there, at the river of Haveah, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from them a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way. Since we had told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all who seek them, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. This is the word of the Lord. All right. I am thankful for our scripture readers. These last, Tori is very tall. Um, (laughs) These last two series have not been the easiest. Song of Songs uh, was some awkward text. Ezra has some awkward names. And so very thankful for our covenant members. Uh, We're about to define actually 15, 16 of these names. And I can tell you that Rachel did a way better job at pronouncing them than I am going to, all right? Um, But hey, I'm excited to dive into our Ezra series. We have two more weeks. We have this week, and then next week we will finish up Ezra. And what's been happening is God's people were in exile. Chapter one, the Lord stirs up King Cyrus, who is a Persian king, stirs his heart to allow God's people to go back and to rebuild the temple. And so a man named Zerubbabel uh, leads a caravan of about 50,000 people to go and to begin to rebuild the temple. And as they're rebuilding, they face opposition. Um, There's this weird, awkward ending throughout it all. And that's chapters one through six. A caravan goes, rebuild the temple. Chapter seven, which we started a few weeks ago that uh, Tori's been leading us in, uh, brought a new man on the scene and his name is Ezra. Ezra was a man who set his heart to study, to do, and to teach the law of the Lord. And a new king now has sent him to send another caravan to continue the restoration of the temple. And so King Artaxerxes, or Art, as Tori said, his hood name is last week, uh, Art supplies everything they need. He's like, hey, you guys need gold, you need silver, go buy some lambs, some rams, some bulls, some grain, some wheat, some wine, some oil, anything you need, go ahead and get it. And so 
They take it and they're getting ready to go. Ezra is all pumped. He's juiced. He's taken senses of who is there. And then he notices that something's missing. They're getting ready to go. You ever been on a family trip where, you, where you're like packing everything up and you realize, oh, I'm missing something. He realizes we're missing something, but it wasn't something. It was actually someone and it was a group of people. So Kevin McAllister ain't being left alone with uh, Ezra, all right? He's making sure everybody, he got six or 7,000 people. He's still noticing who's gone, all right? And so he notices that there are some people that are missing that are very vital and very needed to fulfill the mission that God has given them. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about the relation and the importance of community and calling. Not calling necessarily in your one grand purpose in life, but calling in what God, the Lord has called you to right now. How do we use how God has gifted us and called us to help serve the community around us? All right, so got four, four things we're gonna point out. First one is in verse 15. Uh, verse 15. I gathered them to the river that runs to Ahava, and there we camped three days. As I reviewed the people and the priests, I found there none of the sons of Levi. So this is what was missing. They have priests. Priests were in charge of the ceremonies. They were in charge of sacrifices, all of that. But the Levites were the ones working within the temple. They were the one taking care of the temple. They were teachers of the law and they were going to restore the temple, but they had nobody to work the temple. Now, my mind, and maybe it's a little bit of pride, but I'm like, forget them then. We don't need them. We got, we got more people who can go. We have more people who can fill the need. It's kind of like this American sports mindset of next man up. So if somebody gets injured or somebody gets suspended, okay, next man up. Ezra doesn't have that mindset though. He doesn't say, well, we're missing Levites. Oh, well, we have all of these other people. They can fill it. But he sees the importance and the value in the Levites that the Levites have to the community and fulfilling in the mission of God. They are valuable to the mission of God. He, they, we need their skills. They need their calling to help re restore the temple. And so number one observation I want us to point out is that community is valuable. And Ezra sees this. Ezra sees the importance of each and every single person. And when we're talking about community, we're talking about people we share life with. So people who you know, they know you, you know them. People who you help lift their burdens, you help them lift their burdens. You point them to Christ, they point you to Christ. Community, this is valuable. And so community is valuable though, because of the people in it, because of you. Community isn't valuable just for the sake of community, but it's valuable because of each other. Your CG is important, not just because meeting together is important, although it is, but your CG is so valuable because of you, because of the people who are gathered. So the domain CG, the Ville, as we call it, Pflugerville, you know what I'm saying? I'm literally the only person who calls it that. I don't know if I'm supposed to be throwing up signs either from here. That's what we got, the Ville. Mueller, uh, East MLK. Uh, I didn't mean for this to turn into, but sure. I'm gonna forget to say some and somebody's gonna feel bad, but, but all of those CGs, all of the CGs that we have, the 20 something CGs that we have are vital and important because of you. And so you are valuable because, not because of your dollar amount or a title you have or the job that you do or don't have, but you are valuable because of the image of God that you bear and you were created in his likeness. These people, these Levites were called to help serve and equip God's people. 
Do you see your value in God's kingdom? Do you see yourself as expendable? Like they don't really need me. Like if I go and I do this, is it really that big of a deal? We struggle sometimes with seeing our value. But when we don't see our value and we hinder the gifts and callings that God has, or we we shove them down and think they're not needed, we're actually hindering the work of God that he wants to do for his kingdom. If you want to look up more, uh, we have a podcast called The Well Said Podcast that Tori and Mary lead and do a great job. Last month, there was a whole episode on gifting and calling I would refer you to, um, to go and to dive into calling a little bit more. But as we think about calling, as we think about serving the community, as we think about community being valuable, I wonder if that's why these Levites didn't go to begin with. We don't see clearly from the text why they don't go, but uh, some commentators believe that it was maybe one or two reasons. Maybe they didn't want to go. They didn't want to work. They didn't want to go do the priestly, the Levitical work that they were supposed to do that they had got comfortable not doing. And so maybe they got used to the comforts of Babylon more than working and serving for God's people. They didn't see the value in serving each other. Maybe they didn't want to submit to the priest that would be over them. And so they didn't see the value of submitting themselves to them. But we need to be like Ezra and see the value of people around us. And so I'm going to, even though Chris didn't, I am going to take a page out of Osagi's playbook. And I need you to turn to the person next to you and say, neighbor, you are gifted, called, and valuable to this community. Now look to the person next to you, the other person. I know, I know, it's, it's a pay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell them, neighbor, you are gifted, called and valuable to this community. Now close your eyes. Now listen, this ain't no, listen, this is gonna be weird, but we're all weird together, okay? We're building community here. This is what we're doing. Close your eyes for a second. All right, this isn't some weird self-help type motivational stuff, but I, I want you to say to yourself, as Chris would say, self, you are gifted, called, and valuable to this community. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the people beside you are valuable to this community? Do you believe that you are valuable to this community? Because if you truly do, you won't sit on the sidelines. If I see all of you as valuable, I cannot sit on the sidelines. I have to serve you. I have to give of myself to you. If I see the way that God has gifted and and shaped me and how he's gifted and shaped you, man, I have to use that. It would be selfish for me to not. And so community is valuable. Ezra sees that and he goes, wait, 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 we're missing some people. And so what does he do? Let's go keep going. Verse 16. Then I sent for Eliezer, Ariel, Shemaiah, El Nathan, Jerib, El Nathan, Nathan, Zechariah, Meshulam, leading men and for Joyarib and El Nathan, who were men of insights, and sent them to Ido, the leading man at the place of Casaphia, telling them what to say to Ido and his brothers and the temple servants at the place of Casaphia, namely to send ministers for the house of our God. So what does he do? He pursues community. Number two, community is valuable. And so community then is pursued. So Ezra sets out a plan. He goes and he recruits 11 men to go and pursue the Levites. He didn't accept the failure of the lack of community, but he 
fought for community as we would use language. We would use this language. We don't find community. We fight for community. It's this idea of pursuing and going after knowing others and yourself being known. Community is pursued and community, what we said, is valuable because of people. And so when we're talking about pursuing community, we're talking about pursuing one another. He pursued and recruited 11 people to help him find the Levites to restore the temple. His pursuit of community was really a pursuit to help the mission of God to restore the temple. So when we're pursuing community, when we're pursuing to know and to be known by others, we're actually pursuing the ultimate plan of God and we're showing, we're being a representation of Christ by pursuing others, just like Christ pursued relationship with us. The pursuit of community is the pursuit to look more like Christ. How are you doing at pursuing community? If you're like me, your first response may have been to think about things that you attend. How am I doing at pursuing community? Well, I'm here. Like I go to CG, me and my friends get together. And so you would, you would, you would the win, the ultimate goal of community is attendance. But what if pursuing community wasn't just about attendance, but about representing Christ in the midst of that? Attendance is a form of community, but looking like Christ is the other aspect of it. Attendance is not enough. So how are you doing it? Not just pursuing community, but when you're there pursuing to look like Christ to your CG. When we stop seeing community as attendance to a meeting and start seeing community as representing Christ to those around us is when God's people truly begin to be built up. It's not enough just to pursue attendance, but to pursue being Christ to them. These 11 men, what were they after? They wanted those Levites to be present. They were trying to recruit them. They wanted their attendance, if you will. But in the midst of that, they were reflecting Christ to them. Told you we were going to dive into the names a lot today. There's importance in names in scripture. Like God is very strategic, if you will. He is very purposeful in the names that he places. And so I want us to look at these names real quick of these 11 men who are going to pursue. So I'm not going to pronounce them again. You can see them there because I struggled the first time already. But you see the names there. And you see how, what their names mean, right? You see what they were representing. So these 11 were going, representing all of this to their community. How are we doing at representing these characteristics of God? Look at what's highlighted in Teal. God is help, heard I think I have that until heard by Jehovah, Jehovah remembers, and friend. Those four names show that what? God cares. How are we doing it, representing and going and showing those around us that He cares for us? Caring for one another. The names in orange, Ariel, Lion of God, Jerib, he contends, jo- Joyarib, Jehovah contends. The Lord contends. How are we doing at contending for our community? Not just caring for one another in the physical, but caring for one another spiritually, praying for one another, fighting for one another, coming alongside one another. Are we representing Christ to that community? Are we pursuing that type of community or simply just filling a seat on a Wednesday evening? El Nathan, El Nathan, Nathan, El Nathan, most popular baby names, 458 BC, El Nathan, apparently. (laughs) 
God has given. We see the generosity of God. So we see God cares. We see his power that he fights for us. And we see his benevolence and his generosity. How are we at being generous towards our community, towards those around us? Do we give of our time, our talents, and our treasures as well? So are we pursuing community? And when we say that, we're not just talking about attendance, but we're talking about ourselves representing Christ to those around us. And so community is valuable. Community is pursued, but community is messy at the same time. And anybody who has any relationship with any person on this planet, even if you have a relationship with yourself, you know that people are messy. And that's why community is messy because community is made up of people and we are messy. We are fallen, imperfect people. Like even Mr. Church Planner up here, messy. Jenna, as awesome as she is, messy. <laughs> Holy, super messy. She was saying stuff already when I was just saying, she, she was trying to hit beat the punchline before me. But we're all, like I say that because like there's people in leadership, like we're all messy, we're all imperfect, yet God still uses us. Don't allow the messiness of others to stop you from pursuing community and don't let your own messiness stop you from God, from God using you to build his temple. Verse 18 through 19, let's keep going. And by the good hand of our God on us, so they go out, by the good hand of God on us, they brought us a man of discretion of the sons of Mali, the son of Levi, son of Israel, namely Sherebiah with the sons and kinsmen, also Hashabiah, and with him Jeshiah, and the sons of Merari, with the kinsmen and their sons, besides 220 of the temple servants whom David and his officials had set apart to attend the Levites. These were all mentioned by name. So they go out to recruit Levites, and they're actually pretty successful. They get like three leaders, they get 38 Levites, and they get 220 temple workers. And so it's actually pretty successful. But there's one man in particular that stands out as a leader, and his name is Sherebiah. Remember, we talked about names just a second ago, so I want to talk about his name, because names have significance, and they have a meaning in relation to the person or something that was done towards them, or maybe towards their, in regard to their parents. A couple of examples. Abraham, his name means father of nations or father of multitudes. Why? Because Abraham was the father of nations. God told him that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. Moses, that means to draw out because Pharaoh's daughter drew him out of the Nile. His name has meaning. Esau, his name means hairy. He was a, a hairy baby. His mama had a lot of spicy food or something, all right? Um, Yeshua, Jesus, the name of Jesus to rescue or deliver. And so names all throughout scripture have to do with that are in relation to that person or something that was done to that person. Sherebiah, his name means scorched. This man or his family at some point had been burned. They had been mistreated. One commentator even said that it actually is Jehovah has scorched. And so maybe at some point you have feel, felt burned by other people. You have been burned by God. You're kind of angry at God. Look at his family history, even in verses 18 and 19. Look at his family line that he comes from. Um, it has Mahali or Mahili. I, I'm sounding Hawaiian right now. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Means sick or unwell. Merari is bitter. 
And so you have this guy who at some point was scorched coming from a his, an unwell and bitter background, yet God still uses him in a mighty way. Not just here even, look at how, um, look at how he uses him in Nehemiah 8.7. Nehemiah 8.7 says that he was actually a teacher of the law. So he would go to Jerusalem and later would be a teacher of the law. God was able to use him despite his past hurts, despite the messiness that he had been around his life. Maybe you have been burned by community before and so you see the messiness of it and so it discourages you from pursuing community. Maybe you have an unwell or bitter background. Maybe you didn't grow up in the Christian home and you think because of your past, man, the Lord can't use me. Maybe you think because before you have rejected the call of God or the giftings that God has. Think about it. They didn't answer. The, this is the second time around. This is his second. This is their second chance. Maybe you're engulfed with shame about and just feel like, man, I don't feel like God can use me. This scorched man who comes from a bitter, unwell background is able to use by God in a mighty and powerful way. Even though we are messy, be encouraged that he knew. Scripture says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Like while you were messy, he knew, he knows. He knows that you're gonna stumble. He knows that it's, you're gonna get dirty. He knows that our hearts are prone to wonder like we just sang about. Yet that is the whole point of the cross is that we're gonna fail, we're gonna, be, we're gonna stumble, we're gonna feel awkward, we're gonna feel dirty. Yet despite the messiness, God still uses us and God still cares for all of us. Let that not encourage us to stay in our messiness, but to continue to be renewed day by day. So community is valuable. So we pursue community despite the fact that community is messy because not only is community messy, but also community is sacred. So they gather the people, they get the Levites. And now they're together at the river again. And look at what verse 21 does. Look at what they do. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way. Since we had told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all who seek him and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this and he listened to our entreaty. Community isn't just you and I together. It's not just you and I or each other getting drinks or watching a game, although that helps and that, that helps fuel our connectedness. That, that would be important, but there's actually something more sacred about our community because it doesn't just connect us to each other, but it connects us to God. Yeah. Ezra understands this. Hey, we're all together. All right, let's go. No, but under Ezra understood the importance of being connected with God. So he calls them to pray and to fast. And so as a community, as a sacred community, I want us to pray and to fast for some things this week together. Um, one thing, every sermon we've been giving a prayer point throughout the message. And so I'm gonna throw up our prayer point. I would love for us as a community, as a sacred community, not just friends who are like the same sports team, but as a team who has been woven together, as a family that has been woven together by, by the gospel, would we pray? 
when we pray, Lord, help me to see clearly the talents you have given me so that I can use them to serve the church and those around me. Would we as a church pray this prayer? Would we as a church this week pray that God would maybe show us where to serve if we are not serving or how we can better serve where we are serving, how we can better pursue community? And so would we pray this prayer? Not only did they pray though, but they fasted. Fasted is something that's not talked about a ton in church. And we could really actually do like a whole class on fasting. I only have about 90 seconds to talk about fasting. So I got a quick acronym for you so to help you remember and think about fasting. And then I'll actually give us a call to fast this week. Um, So let's start. Uh, F is for friends who do stuff together. U is for you and me. N is for anywhere. All right. I was nervous. Nobody knew Mike Jones from last week for Tori. I was like, they got to know SpongeBob. They got to know it. They got to know it. F is for focus, for focus. So we're focusing on God when we're fasting. We're not, we're not trying to look super spiritual, but we're looking, we're focusing on God. This is kind of our why. Why are we fasting? What is our focus? And throughout scripture, there was a lot, a lot of people fasted for a lot of different reasons, whether it was for strength, comfort in a time of grief, guidance, or in this case, they're fasting for protection. Like Ezra's like, hey, I told, that, I told King Artaxerxes, I told him the Lord's hand was on us. And so we're carrying all this silver, all this gold, we're carrying all this stuff. We need his protection. And so they are fasting as a sacred community, connecting with God for protection. And so focus, why are you fasting? What is on your radar? What is on your mind? A, abstain. So we're abstaining from something. We're saying, Lord, more than food, I need you. Like you're taking this created crave that you naturally have and saying, God, I need you more than that. You're abstaining from something. Whether that is a whole day of eating, whether that is a certain meal, um, or whether for some who have dietary restrictions, something um, that has somewhat control on you, something that would be a sacrifice for you. Um, I grew up, I, have, I had a lot of dietary restrictions growing up, and so I was not able to fast an entire day. Um, but throughout scripture, we see it's mainly food. Uh, one instance, it's certain kind of food, but we're abstaining from something. Okay, so as you fast this week, I'm believing you're going to, we're abstaining from something. So we're focusing on something, we're abstaining from something, but we're not just abstaining from something, we're substituting that something with something else, which is the S. So I'm not just going without something, but I'm actually substituting that with prayer, with time in the word, with worship. As I was driving here today, I realized I haven't eaten since 12 o'clock yesterday because my son had a soccer tournament and I just haven't eaten. I can't go back and be like, oh, I fasted. No, you didn't. I just was starving myself. There was no prayer with that. If anything, it was idolatry because every time I felt hungry, I thought, no, I can't eat. We got to focus on the next game. So if anything, it was the opposite of, I was fasting for the wrong reasons. But so it's not just abstaining, but it's substituting that. So you're not just missing a meal and calling it fasting, but you're feasting on God. You're feasting on his word. You're seeking him in prayer and in worship. And so again, this is a quick overview of fasting, okay? Uh, focus, abstain, substitute, and then the T is taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Enjoy him, taste and see the goodness. See him work in your life. 
feel his presence with you as you are hungry and like, oh, and then you got that awkward work meeting and your stomach is going and you're like, oh, taste and see that he is good, that he is the one who sustains us that he is great, that he is the greater Ezra. Think about it. Ezra is leading these people to a temporary restoration where Christ is leading us to an eternal restoration. Taste and see that that is good. Ezra, looking and seeing, hey, we're missing people, sends people to go and get them. So Christ came, the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Just like Ezra commissioned 11 men to go and to find the Levites and to bring them back. So Christ commissioned his 11 disciples not to go to a certain tribe, to a certain people, but to go to all the nations, to every tribe, every tongue, and to bring them in. And just like the hand of God was on them, so the spirit of God is not just on you, but in you and dwelling inside of you as the temple of God. This is our Christ, that he left eternity to come down to, and saw us as valuable to bring us in. That Jesus sees us as valuable so much so that he pursued us despite the messiness to bring us into a sacred communion with him. This is the gospel. And this is the mission of Christ. And this is the mission and vision of the well. The mission of the well is to exalt Jesus by reproducing disciples who impact the world for the glory of God. That is our mission. Our vision, you may have heard, is to plant 100 churches nationally, 100 churches internationally. And for those who don't know, I am a church plant resident. And so, praise God, yeah. Keep that, keep that enthusiasm. Yeah, I got some coming. And so what that means is I have been here for a little over a year and a half now. And so in just about a year, I will be sent out from the well. I will be commissioned out. Similar to the way that these 11 were, I will be sent out to go and to start a new church here in Austin, to plant a new church here in Austin. And with that being said, I am going to build this temple, if you will. The Lord is going to build. The Lord builds his church. But as the Lord has commissioned me to go, I would like for us as a church to fast and to pray for that and for you specifically to fast and to pray for how the Lord would have you be a part of that. Because if I can be honest, we need some Levites. All right, I got three kids. We ain't having any more. That's as big as my team's getting right there. We need Levites. We need men and women who are willing to sacrifice and say, we want to go build. We need Levites who want to work in the temple. And so would you pray, would you fast how the Lord maybe would be drawing you? Maybe it is just to continue to pray. But maybe I know, I believe that for some of us, especially the person who wooed, the Lord wants you to go. I don't know who it was. Um, So with that being said, September 25th is going to be a interest meeting. We have a graphic we're going to throw up here. You can check out. So right after the gathering, the link is uh, up. We're going to be having an interest meeting. 
And what that means is this is gonna be, this is gonna be at the church office. We're gonna be having dinner, all that kind of stuff. We, it's gonna be a time for you to meet me and my wife, for us to meet you, for us to share our story with you, how we ended up in Austin, what the Lord is doing, where the Lord is directing us. And so would you during this week, just pray and fast even on whether or not to attend. If you go to the interest meeting, it's not like you're locked in, like, okay, you gotta go now kind of thing. It's not like that. But if the Lord would lead you to, to go, sign up. The link is on the website, thewellaustin.com slash events. Right, Osagi? Yeah, good. But I believe just like these Levites, let's go back. Let's throw, can we throw up verse 17 real quick? Um, remember, names mean something. In this place, Casaphia, if I'm saying that right, is mentioned twice here. This is where the Levites were. They were in Casaphia. This word Casaphia means silvery. It means in one, in one ancient document, it was like the treasury. So it's silvery. What I thought was interesting was that this is where the Levites wanted to stay. The Levites wanted to stay in the place of silver. Yet what we see in other parts of chapter eight that we didn't read was once they left the silvery place is when God actually allowed them to possess silver in a way that they hadn't before. He says that they counted out 650 talents of silver to guard them, to keep them, to bring them to Jerusalem. And now if I can say like the well is a silvery place, the well is shiny. The well is beautiful. This is a great community. You guys are awesome. The staff is awesome. The, everything about the well is awesome. But I believe that for some of us, there's something that God wants to give us to actually, un, to actually um, experience more in going. And so you will be fine here. I have complete faith. I'm not trying to say, this place is Babylon. Come to Jerusalem. Let's go. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to say anything like that. Tori actually made the joke to me earlier this week. But what I am saying is for some of you who are Levites, there's something that God wants to give you when you step out in faith that I don't believe that you would get here for those who are called. Now, don't go with me just because it's cool and you want to stand on the stage and be sent out and be like, yeah, but go because the Lord is leading you. And because people are valuable, we pursue them despite the messiness to bring them into a sacred relationship with Jesus. And so that's why we plant churches. And so we're gonna go and plant a church here in Austin. And so if you wanna be a part of that, man, sign up for the interest meeting if you wanna start learning. If not, if you're like, dude, I ain't going with you. That's fine. That's me. I ain't going, I ain't going with you. That's fine. Pray for us. Fast for us, please. And maybe the Lord will change your mind. And so this week, would you fast and pray, focus on church planning. Specifically, would you pray and fast for the next church plan, asking the Lord how you can be a part of it somehow, whether through prayer or through being a Levite and going. Either way though, wherever we are, whether we're here, whether we're at the church plant or another church, we're called to build people. We're called to build the temple, which is people. And so see people as valuable, see each other as valuable, pursue one another, not just in attendance, but in Christ-likeness. Get, get past your own messiness and the messiness of others and help others have that sacred relationship with Jesus. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you. We thank you for just the way that you care for us, the way that you invite us, not just into relationship with you, but you invite us into your mission. You don't just save us and put us aside, but you continue to mold us and shape us and grow us and use us. Despite us, despite the messiness that we carry, despite the messiness that sometimes we even produce for ourselves, God, you use us. God, I lift up those in here who struggle with seeing the value in community. Sometimes it is hard to see our own value. We struggle with insecurities, self-doubt. We see things on social media and think these people are way more gifted. These people are way more talented. They are doing way more than us. We're not as valuable. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would remove that lie from their heart. God, for those of us who haven't truly been pursuing community, Holy Spirit, would you spur in us? God, would you stir our heart to pursue community, to pursue, to be known and to know others? That we wouldn't get caught up in the busyness of life, but we would pursue to reflect you to others. We'd pursue to care for others, to contend for others, to be generous towards others. God, for those who have been burned, maybe even by people within the church, and so it hinders them from pursuing community, hinders them from using their gifts and talents because maybe some kind of ministry leader before kind of scorched them. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would bring healing right now. For those who feel like because of their past, their their past is too messy to be used by you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal truth to them that that is not the case. God, for those who maybe feel just shame for past decisions, God, would would they be like Sherebiah who said, hey, maybe I missed it there, but now... I'm answering the call. God, and I thank you for this sacred community that we are not just connected with each other, but we can connect with you. God, I pray that as this week goes on and as we as a community together pray about using our talents and gifts to better serve your people, as we fast for this church plan, as we fast for the, re, for the building up of your temple. God, I ask that you would meet each and every single one of us this week. Just wait on him for a moment. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for community. I thank you for the people 
that we just even said neighbor to, the people that, that are around us. God, I'm so thankful for this body. God, I pray that you would use each and every one of us to build up your temple, to build up each other, that we would seek to use our giftings and our callings to build community. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about us or how to get further connected, please visit our website, thewellaustin.com.